Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melniki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing this morning, Robert? Yeah, Ali, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the episode. Of course, and we had another wild week of NFL football. I think it's safe to say just about every week will be wild. We saw the Patriots almost upset the Packers. They needed overtime. The Bills had a nice comeback against the Ravens and the New York Giants won. So it was a great weekend. Overall, we did have a few injuries, notably Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor getting hurt, but we will discuss the Giants later. I don't want to get into that too quickly. So quickly, before we do start getting into the games, though, Robert, what are we looking at in terms of the betting trends? How many favorites covered, underdogs, over, under? What are we looking at? Yeah, it's definitely starting to shape in a, in a, in a very interesting direction. If we just split the games up from uh, morning to afternoon for those of you back on the East Coast, just follow me. Trust me. Uh, favorites were uh, eight and five straight up uh, in the 10 a.m. slots, including the London game. But dogs led uh, seven, five and one against the spread. Uh, outright upsets, as you said, by Tennessee, Seattle, the Jets, Atlanta. They are a covering machine right now. And Arizona, uh, New Orleans and New England covered in straight up losses. Uh, home road teams are tied six and six straight up, not counting that London game. It's neutral. Uh, but road team six five and one against the spread overs lead seven to six afternoon we've got those three games so they went two and one straight up favorites did in the afternoon games dogs did cover however uh, uh packers failed to cover as a nine and a half point favorite took overtime to beat the patriots raiders did cover uh in their win versus the broncos and in the cardinals as a one-point dog upset the panthers 26 16. uh home teams also were uh, two and one straight up but the road teams two and one against the spread Overs two and one. So if we look at the season as a whole, Allie, um, favorites 35, 26, and one straight up on the season uh, with one pick. That was that Washington Detroit in week number two. But dogs, 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 they still lead 35, 24, and three against the spread. That's 57.4%. That's winning money. Uh, home teams dipped to 32, 29, and one straight up, while road teams took a 30 to 29, three against the spread lead with that one neutral site game. Unders are uh, covering, so they dipped to 36, 26, and 1. That's 58%. And then primetime unders, that's one that I like to look at. They're 8 and 4 to the under. Um, so all in all, it looks like it's the opposite of the hive mind. It's going dog and under alley. Yeah, and you and I both love our underdogs. We stress that every episode. It's better to start with points than, than giving points away. I'm a big underdog better. And I also do like the under a lot. I always bet the under in Thursday night games. That's been pretty much besides my Browns bad, be- bad beat that one week. It's been just nothing but unders. I feel like when you play in a short rest and I just feel like that a lot of defenses are really stepping up this season. So under is definitely the way to go as you can see with the trends. So let's move on to the games. And we'll start with one of the more interesting ones yesterday, which was the Bills and the Ravens. Ravens took an early lead. Josh Allen threw, I believe, a pick six, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Marlon Humphrey that got it. But when even when the when the Ravens were up, I had a feeling that the Bills were going to come back. I didn't get I didn't get them because I had the Bills minus three and a half. That was one of my losses. Let me just recap real quick. I was nine and six against the spread to start the from Thursday. 
to Sunday night. I had a few bad beats in the game. Like I just said, the Bills, I had minus three and a half. They didn't cover by half a point. I had the Saints plus two and a half. They didn't cover by half a point. I did switch my pick from when we talked on last week's show. I had the Seahawks plus five and a half. They ended up dropping to three and a half. But when I saw the injury list for the Detroit Lions, I decided to switch my pick in our pool and went with the Seahawks. I also had switched my pick from the Texans to the Chargers when I saw that injury report. So as Robert always says, check the injury report. It will affect your picks. But back to the Bills and Ravens. Robert, what are we looking at in this game? You know, we saw the Bills come back. Lamar Jackson had a late interception that really cost him. What was your take from this game? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, Ali. You, you touched on timing, right? Timing in, in, in sports betting is everything. This game... It, you know, it, it got bet up from three all the way up to four and a half and then back down again to three. So look at this. If you if you laid three and a half, you lose. You know, four, you lose. Four and a half, you lose. Three, it's a push. Uh, to me, a, you know, a push in sports betting is a win. You know, you didn't yeah. lose money. Uh, you know, Buffalo, they yeah. were superior overall. They, you know, they were gaining per pass and they were gaining per rush over a Baltimore team that's known to really, really – uh, dominate the running game. And I don't understand. It's it's a fairly, basically a tale of two halves, right? Yeah. Ravens led 20 to three in the first half, did nothing in the second half until, you know, Jackson threw a pick from the Buffalo one late in the fourth quarter. And then they drove 77 yards to win. You know, it was a, yeah. a really gutty response from the um, Buffalo Bills alley. Yeah, I, I took it as this was the Bills coming back and showing why they are the team to beat, in, at least in the AFC. I know the Eagles yeah. are very are very good in the NFC. I still will like to see the Eagles get tested by a top contender, but I know that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. But yeah, for me, the Bills, they pretty much shut Lamar Jackson down. I had a few friends that owned Lamar Jackson on their fantasy team, and they were just disgusted that he only got 15 points with them fantasy-wise. But I'm not surprised. We've seen Lamar Jackson in recent years struggle against top defenses. He always loses to the Patriots, it seems. I know that was when Tom Brady was the quarterback. But in the playoffs, he was always losing to the Patriots. He just can't seem to win the big games when it comes to playing elite defenses. So, Robert, do you think this is a cause of concern for Lamar Jackson that we're seeing when he can't beat the top defenses? Because that was one of the criticisms before before the offseason when he was negotiating a deal was he's so good he's so good in the regular season he'll get the ravens to clinch a playoff berth but he just can't seem to deliver is that a legit criticism of lamar jackson i i think look they put up 20 points is typically enough to go 500 uh you're playing at home but you're playing you know in in my eyes the, the number one team in the nfl Right. So you have a lot going against you, even though, you know, we, as we discussed all, you know, uh, several times last week, the Bills had a, a, just a mountain load of injuries that they needed to, you know, overcome. And they did. They did. Buffalo did. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, if Baltimore could have had even, you know, the, the smallest amount of, uh, of modicum and came back and played a little bit like they did in the first half, they would have won this game for fun. Uh, but they got shut down, and that's because the Bills are that good. So it's not Buffalo, um, you know, just getting blown up. I think this is a case of, of you know, Buffalo doing what I thought is their par performance. And uh, Baltimore got, you know, limited to 20 points uh, at home because they played the, you know, in my eyes, you know, the, the Super Bowl 
uh, a future selection in, you know, at least, you know, in my handicapping eyes, Ali. Yeah, I agree with you right there. I think, and it was a rainy day. Let's not forget that. It was really poor weather conditions. So I don't want to make too much of that. But I don't know what me and Lamar Jackson. I really do like Lamar Jackson. When he was first drafted, I did not think he was going to be as good as he is. But I just can't see him leading a team deep into the playoffs. I mean, I'd like to get proven wrong. I really would like to see him succeed. But I just feel like there's something about when he plays these ridiculously good defenses they figure him out and when you force him to throw when he can't use his legs that's when he becomes most vulnerable as you saw when he threw that intercept that pivotal interception late in the game that's basically what lost the game for them but the bills they showed why they are the team to beat in the afc and it's not the dolphins but you know we will get to the dolphins later Tua did have that bad injury but let's talk about the next game and that's the patriots and the packers both you and I both loved the Patriots covering this week. I didn't think they would take it so far as to almost upsetting the Packers. What did you see in this game, Robert? And zappy days is what this game was. Green Bay, they only beat New England, and it took overtime. Uh, and honestly, I'm really upset with New England. They should have won this game. Uh, it's one of the most cowardly plays I've ever seen in overtime with about seven minutes to go. You've got fourth and short. Uh, and at seven minutes left in overtime in a tie game, you got to go for it there. And, and they opted to punt. They gave the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, and they went on to win the game. It just makes no sense why you punted there. Uh, yeah. you, you, you can't. You can't do that. Uh, you know. And then if you just look at the numbers, this was a game that Green Bay should have won by double digits. Uh, you know, they, they won yardage 443 to 271. Yards per play was 6.2 to 4.7. They outrushed them 199 to 167. Uh, and uh, it's basically, you know, when you saw, forget about the fact that there's no Mac Jones, Hoyer got hurt early. Uh, you know, but, you know, it was Bailey Zappi that, you know, resurrected and basically resuscitated the Pats offense. They came back, and I honestly, if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm actually upset. I got to tell you, if, if I yeah. see them in that, that deep and they're in overtime, you, you have to go for it on fourth down. That was a game where the Packers were my were my survivor pool pick over the weekend because in my one league, we got a second chance, so it's double elimination. I was thinking I was going to lose the survivor pool. I really thought when when the, when it went into overtime, and especially when Rodgers and them were three and out, I believe, on the first possession, I was like, the Patriots are going to go down the field and kick a field goal. That's going to be it. Patriots are going to have the upset of the week. They're going to win this game. And you're right. If I'm a Patriots fan right now, I'm just sick to my stomach thinking we could have stole one with our third quarter, our third string quarterback. We could have stole one against the Packers who many still believe could be a Super Bowl team. I thought that I agree with you. I thought it was a poor decision what they did in overtime, but also if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm glad that I'm glad that Zappy came in. You know, I never was a big, a big Brian Hoyer fan. I just thought he's always had, kind of a weird career he's never been I think he set a record once for how many interceptions he threw when he was with the Texans in a wild card game if Brian Hoyer stays in that game Robert I think the Patriots get blown out what about you that's absolutely correct uh it's uh, he had nothing and there was really nothing going on uh field goal here you know a lucky touchdown there but no this this was Brian uh Hoyer doing you know what he does best and that's lose yeah, so now let, let, let me ask you this, Robert, because we still don't know how long Mac Jones is going to be out. But if Zappy goes next week, 
and he has a big game again for the Patriots. Let's just say that he comes out, he has he puts up the numbers that that gets him either in the winning percentage, either close to winning or they outright win the game. I believe they're facing the Lions next week, which the Lions as as great as their offense is, they have a lot of injuries still to overcome. They were missing the majority of their offensive starters yesterday. If Zappi and the Patriots win against the Lions next week, and even maybe the week after when they face the Browns, you know, are we looking at a quarterback controversy between Zappi and Mac Jones? What do you think? <laughs> I, I, I really like the, uh, you know, the performance that Zappi put in. You know, it was probably one that had positive results because they weren't even up to, you know, paragraph one, forget about page one in the playbook that is the Bailey Zappi uh, experience. You know, you know, I don't know how many of them prepared to watch Hilltoppers football going into Sunday. So all in all, uh, I, I don't think that he's going to uh, – look, it's, it's really nice to have a quarterback problem. Uh, I think when Mac Jones comes back, this is going to be his team, and it's probably his team for many, many years to come. Uh, and then, you know, it's just good to know that Zappi's here. This, I mean, look, you kind of say the same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, you, you know, here he is now, uh, you know, living his career, but uh, Belichick and the team are going to develop quarterbacks. That's what they do well. And, uh, you know, looks like they're going to have one. We don't have to really, uh, you know, be concerned with Brian Hoyer now as they know that they have a capable backup. It's definitely going to be Bailey Zappi this weekend though. Um, yeah. Beyond, I don't know, Allie. Yeah, it is still early. You know, I don't want to make an overreaction based on one start. He did come out. I don't think the Packers had a game plan for the guy. They were probably planning against Brian Hoyer. But still, if I, if anything, I'm more impressed with how the Patriots played yesterday. The Packers, and we'll get to it later, but the Packables, Packers every week are looking more beatable. I know they have a 3-1 and one record, but those three wins have really been hard-fought wins. They're, they're not the dominant Packers offense that we've seen. I even think Aaron Rodgers looks a step behind. What do you think, Robert? What are you seeing in this passers in this uh, Packers team that besides Devontae Adams not being there, what are they missing, especially on the offensive front? No, I mean they're getting marched on, that's for sure. So they, you know, at home they they didn't show what I expected to see uh, a defense that's what they were supposed to do to a New England Patriots team that had a backup quarterback. So giving up 24, I mean, look. They did give up 271 yards. It's that they were very effective 271 offensive yards. So it's it's red zone defense that they need to step up with. And honestly, uh, you know, when you put up 24, 27 points, you're supposed to win them pretty easily. Uh, it didn't happen here. You know, a, a look ahead obviously shows that, you know, Green Bay's playing that neutral game in London against our New York Giants. Uh, I already installed them as an eight-point favorite. The total set to 41 and a half. Uh, with, with that kickoff, I don't know if it's – I don't think it's an offensive problem, Allie. I really don't. I think that they just need to find ways to really shorten the field. It's not a problem of getting outside containment because they're just getting beat with quarterbacks hitting their targets. So it, it's it's probably more in the secondary. Um, and, you know, right now with four weeks in, we kind of know who these teams are. So – Look, end of the day, Allie, Green Bay is three and one. Um, you know, and I, yeah. I, I think they're going to be there in the playoffs, and I think they're going to make some noise. But uh, maybe they just got caught sleeping against Bailey Zappi. That's the way I'm going to write this one off, Allie. 
that's very possible. <laughs> I mean, again, the Giants are three and one, and people say, keep saying, "Well, look who the Giants beat." They're not exactly eye popping wins. So three and one is three and one. I do think the Packers will come around. Aaron Rodgers usually does start the season a little sluggishly. They are still trying to find out which receivers are really going to step up. Alan Lazard, he shows flashes, but he's not there. Same thing with Romeo Dobbs. Christian Watson had a nice touchdown run yesterday. So they are still experimenting. I think that they will turn it around eventually, so I don't want to overreact there. But, hey, eight-and-a-half-point favorites against my Giants. Well, I don't want to make too many presumptions because we don't know our quarterback situation, but that's definitely – a spread if their if their secondary continues to struggle. I know Adrian Amos left yesterday's game with an injury. I don't know if he's going to play this weekend, but it's something to definitely look out for. So let's move on to the next big game of the week, and that was the Jaguars and the Eagles. And I will say, when the Eagles fell behind fourteen nothing, Jalen Hurts threw the pick six at the beginning. The Eagles minus six and a half were was my best bet of the week. I thought that they were going to blow out the Jaguars. And I won't say I was freaking out when the Eagles were down 14-0, but it's still being down 14-0 in the rain. And Jalen Hurts didn't look sharp yesterday. It was bad weather. But when the Eagles did come back and eventually win, I can't say I'm 100% surprised. What about you, Robert? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Look, Jacksonville, you know, tip the hat. You know, they, they they got off to the 14 nothing lead off of the pick six and then the long touchdown drive before Philly came back and said, all right, all right, good enough. Here, you had your fun. They went out and scored those three straight touchdown drives to end the first half. I don't know. Maybe I started to overvalue Jacksonville a bit and, and Trevor Lawrence specifically. He was, you know, to me, you know, significantly below expectation. It was, you know, the worst of the week of any quarterback full game this season. I don't know, uh, weather, defense, just a bad game. I mean, five turnovers is five turnovers, right? You get you get to turn the ball five or five times, it's it's game over, no matter who you play. Um, so I, I give it to Philly, right? You know, the defense did what they're supposed to. I've, I've got them ranked so, so high because they're so well-rounded all the way around. You know, giving them a 14-point lead, yeah, yeah, maybe they had a couple of people kind of itching and sitting at the edge of their seats for those that chose them as a survivor selection, uh, but they did what they were supposed to. Uh, so 29 points, it's about the Philly way. Um, I, I I think that they're definitely still the team to be in the NFC, Allie. Yeah, I agree with you right there. I was never a believer on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I wrote it last week. They faced a, a Indianapolis Colts team that was decimated by injuries. They faced a Chargers team that entered the game with their quarterback, not 100%. They lost some key players in that competition. So they really haven't played an elite squad at full health. I wasn't surprised with Trevor Lawrence playing that bad. I don't think he does well in bad weather. Not that he ever played in really bad weather while he was at Clemson. But I think this is the Jacksonville Jaguars team that we're just going to come and see all season. They're going to get some wins. But when they lose, they're just not going to look good. Like you said, five five turnovers, that's inexcusable for the team. They really had a shot with the Eagles. Doug Peterson had his comeback. You know, he had his revenge tour. He fell pretty short. The Eagles just looked on. They didn't even look phased when they were down. They came back. They scored right away. They turned it around pretty much in the second half. It didn't even come close for the Jacksonville Jaguars to even come back in. So, 
you know, when do you think the Eagles are going to lose, Robert, looking at the schedule? When do you have them potentially losing? Uh, well, so obviously they can lose it in any given game because it's uh, there's no uh, absolutes in, in the sports book. It's just uh, 1%, 99%. I mean, heck, uh, ask the people that had the Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns against the Jets a few weeks ago. Uh, but if we take a look at the Eagles schedule, I mean, this is incredible. It's the only team that's a favorite in every game the rest of this year. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's just uncanny, right? So, you know, we, we got this one in the bag. They'll be at Arizona next week, five and a half point favorite. Hosting Dallas, they'll be a seven point favorite. And then they get to rest in week seven. So it ain't going to be against the Steelers, 10 point favorite there in week eight. At Houston, almost a 10 point favorite, not going to be there. At, you know, hosting Washington. Double, I mean, three games in a row, double-digit favorites. Um, I think I just found it. I think I just found it. it. It's probably week 11 or 12 at the Colts. They'll be a three-point favorite. They'll be right for an upset there. And then, uh, well, I mean, if if Green Bay continues to, you know, play to their par, they'll be visiting Philly in week 12. They'll be a three-point dog to the Eagles in week 12. They could probably lose there. So, um, yeah, week 11, week 12. How about at Dallas, week 16? Yeah, um, probably. Only a one-and-a-half-point uh, favorite there. So three three opportunities that seem most likely, if we had to put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I totally whiffed on the Eagles. I didn't think they'd be as good as they were. But when I look at their schedule, I'm like, well, no wonder. They really do have an easy schedule the rest of the way. They probably will, I think, I could safely say they will be the number one seed in the NFC, barring any injuries to any of their key players. But this this team is just good. And you got to really give credit to Nick Sirianni because we saw it last year. I know Jalen Hurts is playing phenomenal. I know they have A.J. Brown now. But Nick Sirianni knows how to coach this team. Even last season, he he had them he – ha- he knew their strength was based on the run. So he would run it nonstop every game. Now they're really more of a pass-first offense. And he made the adjustment yesterday. Miles Sanders had a big game. It was rainy. It wasn't good passing weather. He really kept the ball out of Jalen Hurts throwing it far downfield and switched up to to giving it to Miles Sanders to run. Is Nick Sirianni, Robert, a top-five coach, in your opinion, in this league? Top-five, it might be the best. Uh, You know, how quickly what he did to the team. I mean, you know, know, honestly, it's, it's every facet of the ball. Offense, defense, and special teams, and I'm just looking right now back at my my power ranks, and yeah, maybe I maybe I did uh, undervalue Philly. I, I think they are much above and beyond anyone in the NFC. It's not going to be Tampa. They'll be a favorite over Tampa on any planet in the galaxy. Uh, and, and right now they're closing in on it's, it's it's you know Buffalo, it's Kansas City, and then it's Philly. There's really not much else that I can you know, look at it in terms of toppling those big three. Uh, So carve those in stone right now, Allie. Yeah, I think Nick Sirianni is definitely a top five guy. It's hard for me to pick five five coaches right now, even above him. He's definitely in top five, top three, probably I would put him in. He's just really come out. He's and he's really won without top top guys. You look at what Sean McVay did with the Rams, but the Rams have, you know, the best defensive lineman in Aaron Donald. They had always Cooper cup. He's always had really good players. Nick Sirianni's really transformed these guys. He took on a rookie Devonta Smith, who just is phenomenal. 
He really turned around their defense. Their defense struggled a bit last season. They're really good now this season. I give Nick Sirianni all the credit in the world. I think he's the front runner to win coach of the year by far. I really don't see any competition at this point. So I hate to say it as a Giants fan, but the Eagles are for real. So let's move on to last night's game, which if I'm going to be honest with you, I turned off after halftime. The Chiefs were just dominating the game. I didn't really see a point to watch the second half that much. Robert, should we be concerned about Tampa Bay at all? Yes. Yeah, we should. There you go. (laughs) Kansas City, you know, this one was weird because we opened Tampa, a big, big favorite. Three points, it got bet all the way back down. Uh, and, And this is clearly just a case where Kansas City did anything that they pleased. Uh, they, they had 417 yards of offense, uh, 71% of their third downs were completed. Uh, can we talk about the rushing game? Like, oh, Edwards Hilaire is just, he's having a phenomenal season. Tampa only ran six times in this football game. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Football, they had three rushing yards. Right. So Tampa won the yards per play, but it doesn't really matter when Kansas City runs 77 plays to 59. You know, the Buccaneers were chasing from down 21 to 3, 28 to 10, 38 to 17. Uh, Of course, you know, the Chiefs were helped by some cheap touchdown drives of only 21 and 20 yards. But boy, oh boy, um, there's no concerns at all for Kansas City losing Tyreek Hill. No way. No, and I wrote about this in my recap that I'm about to post after the podcast, but Kansas City might even be better without Tariq Hill. Now, now that's not to say they want to welcome him back if he ever wanted to come back, but when I watch Patrick Mahomes in the offense, I just mentioned it before you you said about Tampa's rushing arts. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is really having a phenomenal season. I used to just think of him as an afterthought on that Chiefs offense, but he's really putting together a nice year. Travis Kelsey has just has just assumed the number one receiver role with no issues whatsoever. And he has, they have some guys stepping up. Nicole Hardman had a lot of nice catches over the past few games. You've also had, you've also had Juju Smith-Schuster have some nice games. Robert, is this team, you know, is is this Chiefs team going to be against, are we going to see a rematch of the AFC divisional game last year with the Chiefs Bucks? Are we in for that roller coaster again for the conference championship game? And we're not getting off that ride. I, I really am afraid we're not. Um, it, it, we probably could have said, you know, differently if if Miami didn't lose uh, Tago Bailoa. And, you know, I, we could talk a little bit about that in just a little bit. But I think that it's it's Buffalo. Um, you know, we'll see what comes out of the north. I think it's still the Ravens, although the Bengals showed me a few things. Um, ain't the Colts. It's probably it's probably Tennessee, uh, and Kansas City is going to win this division. Uh, you know, I, I just I just think that they are the ones that have the system in place. Doesn't really matter who you plug in. It seems like Reed just does it time and time again. Uh, and so yeah, it's it's probably going to end up being uh, you know much of the same that it was from last year's playoffs. Yeah, exactly. If you look at the AFC West, I don't think it's the best division or yeah, the best division in the AFC or in the NFC. By far, we see the Raiders struggle. The Broncos are struggling. The Chargers are just dealing with a slew of injuries. They struggled even to beat the Texans yesterday, though they did cover at the last minute. So I think the Chiefs are definitely going to win the AFC East. The Bills will definitely win the AFC. Uh, sorry, the, yeah, the Chiefs will win the AFC West. 
the Bills will win the AFC East. I think we're headed for fireworks. It's going to be in Buffalo this year. I do think that Buffalo will still get the number one seed. I think that if anything, I agree with you. I'd be more caught. I have more cause for concern about Tampa following that game. And it's not even so much their offense because their offense did end up putting up 31 points, albeit the last touchdown was kind of a garbage touchdown. But this is a Bucks team that for the first three weeks, we really lauded their defense and how well they were. They looked not good at all yesterday. I know you mentioned that they did have some short short yardage Kansas City when it came to touchdown drives. But 41 points is 41 points. And Todd Bowles is supposed to be a defensive guru. Is is Todd Bowles in over his head as head coach of the Bucks, Robert? No, I think it's deeper than that, Ali. I, I just think that they're starting to unravel. Sure. It's, it's getting a, a little messy. Now, look, we're, we are only four games into the season, right? And they still are, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, the, the South leaders right now in the NFC. Uh, you know, but I just think that if you're you, – you got – just a weird, weird dichotomy. You're supposed to be winning your home games. You're all in two at home, uh, two and zero on the road. But I think it's deeper than that. It's just their their injuries or it's suspensions. And you knew Kansas City was going to come in and be ready to roll off of a loss, and uh, they did anything they pleased, right? So it, it's they'll have some adjustments to make. But you know, fortunately for them, they'll have a easier schedule. Tampa will. Uh, and, and they'll probably have their their season righted. They'll probably win six of the next eight or nine games. Uh, and you know, then we'll be looking back at this and saying, okay, so is Kansas City really just this good, or uh, you know, the, the NFC just as bad? Uh, I, I think that defensively, they showed what they could do to some of the lesser opponents that they've played. Uh, Kansas City is just this much better. Yeah. For me, it looks like Tampa Bay seems unprepared for every game they've played, even in their wins this year. It just seems they're unprepared. And I think that's a reflection of Bruce Arians when he was head coach. He really had his team buttoned up, kind of like how Andy Reid has his Chiefs team. I think with Todd Bowles, it's a little more lackadaisical, if you, if, you know, for lack of a better word. I don't think they appear as buttoned up as we've seen them in the past few seasons. It just seems like they're not focused any with any game. Brady doesn't even look 100% out there. I don't think it's injury, but I don't know if it's because stuff that's been going on with his wife or the whole retiring, unretiring stuff, but he doesn't look 100% like he has in recent years. But I agree with you. They do have an easy schedule coming up. They play in the NFC South, which is probably the worst division. You have Carolina is not good. New Orleans is not good. So they they are they do have the benefit of playing in a weak a weak division. So they still they will win that one easily. But I I think the Bucks I I don't see them winning a playoff game if they keep this roster currently as it is. They just don't look like a team to beat anymore. But let's move on because we are getting short of time to the Thursday night game, which is the Dolphins and Bengals. And normally I wouldn't want to talk about it because it was Thursday night. It happened a few days ago. But the big the big news out of that game was Tua going down with a concussion. It was a scary sight, Robert. I was watching it with my friends, and when we saw him get hit and how his fingers curled to that to that fencing motion, it, it was very it was very graphic to see. What's your take out of this game? I mean, if I just look at the game, you know, from 
the, the numbers sense all by themselves. And it's kind of tough because I didn't want to really concentrate on, on that. I wanted to uh, editorialize for just a moment. But I think if we just look at the game, you know, obviously they, the Bengals, they, they had their way in the second half, right? They, they won the third down battles. They managed to control the ball. They didn't turn the ball over at all. Uh, did what they needed to do in the red zone. And so, uh, you know, Miami for, for what, you know, they had to deal with, they still won yardage by a few. Uh, and, you know, ultimately, if, I really do think that Cincinnati didn't look nearly as good as a score make. make, uh, make I agree with that. Yep. Right. And, you know, they only led 17-15 midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, and so then you're asking yourself, you know, what's really wrong with this offense still? You know, so they got that, you know, pretty cheap 45-yard touchdown drive laid off Miami, off the Miami turnover. Um, you know, they were better at moving chains and avoiding turnovers, and that's probably where, you know, you, you'll end up finding the result being what it is. Um, but to, to circle back to uh, Tago Vailoa, I, I really don't think that we should see him playing football the rest of this year. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's an overreaction at all. This this is this is very very bad. Um, this kid he weighs what two hundred pounds, right? And and now the, the the report is that the doctor that you know cleared him Sunday, you know going back uh, eight days ago, uh, they said that he found some mistakes in his findings. Mm-hmm. So okay, so if you found some mistakes in your findings and then you bring him out four days later and he gets basically pile driven, suplexed into the ground, uh, you know, now now what do you see? I, I I think if I'm Tua, I, I look at, you know, what did I pick for my major? Uh, because that's what I'm going to be doing. Because you can't get hit like that ever again. No. You probably should uh, you, you probably shouldn't even be practicing. You know, I, I've heard people saying, ah, oh, he'll be back in practice in a few weeks. He should be gone for the rest of this year. And then really start thinking about retiring. Um, but that's... Well, I'll put, you know, I'm, I, I don't get, you know, really, you know, too colorful when it comes to things like this, but that's one that I just really feel that you gotta, you, you got to really think about not playing, you know, contact sports ever again after seeing those two hits, you know, just four days apart, Ali. Very true. It's, it reminds me, and I'm not trying to make a big comparison here, but I've seen it being a baseball fan. I've seen pitchers get hit in the head from comeback ball, baseballs. And they're never the same pitcher after that. It's it's always going to be in the back of their head every time they pitch the ball. I could be getting hit in the head and going back to the hospital. I've seen it. I'm a Red Sox fan. We used to have a pitcher, Matt Clement, back, I believe it was 2005, 2006. Sure. He was, I believe, undefeated before the All-Star break. Got hit in the head right above it. Never was the same pitcher again. I think maybe he lasted another season, two seasons, if that. Never was good again. It's if even if Tua comes back next season, and I agree with you, I don't think he should come back this season. I don't, I hate to say it, but I don't think he's going to be the same quarterback that he was, whether it's his mobility is going to be different, whether he's just going to want to get rid of the ball immediately and be a little too rash with his decisions just to avoid the hits. But I think after you undergo hits like that, Robert, I don't think that leaves you. I've played sports where you get where you have experiences where things just get in the back of your head. And that's as serious as they come. It's not just something like breaking your leg or breaking your arm. 
or having a high ankle sprain or tearing something, those you do recover from. And I'm not saying that doesn't affect you, but to suffer a head injury like that, that let's be honest, that that could be a life or death situation. I don't see, I don't see how he takes the field ever again. Not to say he won't. I think he's a good kid. I think he is going to try to come back. But I mean, Robert, do you think he will? He'll ever if he does come back. Do you think he'll ever be the same player? We only hope. Right. Like, that's that's, that's the case. Get. We only hope. The science says, and I am not even going to even begin for one second to say that I'm a neurologist or even pretend to be one. But for for what I see and, and for what I read, th- there's so much that we still don't know about the human brain and, right. and the whole nervous system that this doesn't look right. Not at all. And it, it just, there's, there's so much at risk. Uh, you know, we, we, everyone's just so much bigger, stronger, faster in the league than they were just five years ago. Forget about 20. I would, I would consider not playing for the rest of this year. If, if, if I had to, and I know I, I, I get it, you know, it's, it's Miami, it's it's the NFL, and, and it's everything that there is about, you know, winning these games, and you, you want him to have a successful career, but then if you think yourself as a parent, you see that happen, and you're like, eh, you know what, maybe not. Let's just do something else. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but I definitely feel for Tua, our thoughts and prayers are with him. I do hope he, I do hope he has a speedy recovery. It was a scary sight to see. And I hope this is truly a wake-up call for the NFL, not to sidestep. I think both you and I both mentioned it last week when they played the Bills. We were shocked to see Tua come back in that second half and play. So I hope they really do get the concussion and the head injury situation right when it comes to evaluating these players because these are still human beings with lives. They have families. They have friends. They have well-beings. And you can't play with fire like that. So let's move on though to the Bears and the Giants before we get into some of our rapid our rapid round. And I of course I had to talk about the Giants. We won yesterday 20 to 12. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode it was an ugly win. We lost two of our quarterbacks. We had to revert to a wildcat formation toward the end of the game, but Saquon was great. The defense, despite losing several starters during the game, managed to hold on. I know it was the Bears. I know Justin Fields struggles, but Robert, what do you take away from this game? I seriously, I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> the, the Bears were bet late last week, you know, three and a half down to two and a half. Uh, but, you know, the Giants, you know, get the win with both quarterbacks injured. Uh, yards per play was 5.5 to 5.1 for Chicago. Uh, but it's just 4.2 yards per pass for Jones slash Tyrod. Uh, Chicago had drives to the New York Giants, 11, the 4. 27, the 22, and the 17, and they get nine points out of it. Uh, and then the muff punt does in you know Chicago late. I, I honestly, this I don't know. They both smell fraudulent, Allie. They really do. Yeah, it was it was just an ugly game to watch. I was it was just one of my you know normal New York Giants games. It just we can't win easy. Jones, I was still impressed with how he ran with his feet. They did run a lot of play action schemes which really threw the Bears' defense off. The The Giants entered the game with no receivers. Kenny Galladay was was nowhere to be found again before he got hurt in the second half. They were missing Kadarius Toney. They were missing Wendell Robinson, who I believe will take, in the, take over the slot when he gets back for Sterling Shepard, who is out. The fact that the Giants are 3-1 and one 
with this offense, it just speaks so highly of what Saquon Barkley is doing and how Brian DeBall might have a way with quarterbacks because I mentioned last week how Daniel Jones was impressive against the Cowboys. Even with all the pass rush, he held in there. He kept them in the game. He made do what we had to do. So I'm impressed with that. But I don't know, Robert. I'm with you. It's like I, I felt good about the win, but I didn't know how good I felt because it's still a long season ahead, and 3-1 and one could quickly turn into 3-13 and 13 or 3-17 and uh, what is it now? 17 games, so it would be 3-14. and 14. Yeah. I don't know, Robert. What what are we looking at? Do you think this weekend? Do you think Jones is gonna play or what? I think that he will play. Uh and I don't know if it's gonna make a difference. You can't uh <laughs> you can't have a result like that and, and an offensive performance like that. Um and expect the same thing against, you know, Green Bay. Remember what Green Bay just did to Chicago. Right. Forged them and you know, I, I don't know. Chicago's twelve points came on four field goals, right? Let's let's get that out of the way. So they can't score against Green Bay. They can't score against the Giants. Uh, you know, but I, I think that if, if there's going to be a close game, and you know, right now for point spread being what it is, I opened up the Packers again as an eight-point favorite in London, and this is probably the right number because you know there, there's still a lot of question marks. You know, the, the, the Giants, it's a it's a scroll's worth of injuries from yeah. the- Neil Galladay, Aaron Robinson, Julian Love had a concussion, Lewinsky, Tyrod Taylor, I don't know, you know, Leonard Williams, uh, Tony, we talked about, Wendell Robinson, you know, he's he's got to be questionable. And then Cordell Flott, it, it's just, you know, and we, you know, we already knew about, you know, Sterling Shepard out for the year. So they, they need a lot of help <laughs> to come their way positively. And then, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, let's see if Daniel Jones can run as fast as he normally does with taped up ankles. Um, I would say no, he can't. But uh, we'll see how the week goes and in terms of how well they heal. Yeah, I mean, you can only hope for the best. I really feel for Daniel Jones. I know he gets a lot of criticism in this league, and I'm not just saying it as a Giants fan, but he re- he's really a trooper. He came back in after hurting his ankle yesterday even just setting up in the wide receiver position, call relaying the, the play calls to Saquon in, in the huddle. You got to feel for the guy. Do I think they're going to beat the Packers with or without a, a healthy Daniel Jones this weekend? No, I, I, I'm realistic. I don't think we're going to beat the Packers. Can we keep it close given the Packers' offensive struggles? I think we can if we're healthy. But again, it's way too early in the week. I don't know what the injury report looks like. But I will say, Robert, if somehow we and if Daniel Jones plays and somehow we beat the Packers with a depleted squad, I just I don't even know what to make of the year <laughs> if somehow we do it. But I will give Brian DeBall all the credit he deserves right now. He has this team believing, he has this team grinding. He, he truly is the right coach for the job. I'm really happy with the decision the Giants made to hire him. So I don't want to spend too much more time on it because I can't, even though it was a mess of a game yesterday, I can talk about the Giants all day. So let's move on to a new segment that I have. And we're about a quarter of the way into the season. So I thought we would take some teams and decide if we think, Robert, they're better, worse, or what we expected. So I'm going to start out with a team who you said at the beginning of the episode has just been a covering machine, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. Robert, are they 
better, worse, or what we expected right now? <laughs> yeah, covering machine, they definitely are. 4-0 against the spread. Uh, they're definitely keeping themselves in the game offensively, and they're doing what they need to. I mean, heck, uh, four games in, they've got a positive uh, point differential, uh, and they're tied for the division lead. So, yay, Falcons. Uh, without a doubt, I find them to be better than expected. Yeah, I, I think they're better. They're much better than expected. They're a spunky team, to say the least. They even won yesterday without some of their big names having pretty much no box score stats. Drake London didn't do much. Kyle Pitts didn't do much. They still found a way to win, win behind the running game. It was very impressive against a Browns team that I know was missing Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, but they still beat the Browns. I think that they are better than we expected them to be. I think they will actually keep up, you know, keeping it close, covering. They're definitely not going to be a playoff team. I don't even think they're going to have a close to 500 record, but this team is definitely better than we expected. So let's go to the next team that also sports a two and two record, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Robert, are they better, worse, or what we expected? I can't even do this right now. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I said the Lions. Hey, look at the Lions. Wow, man, 35 a game. You better score 35, otherwise you're going to lose to Detroit. God bless the Lions. They score 45 and they lose. Uh, try so hard. I mean, Seattle, Seattle goes for 8.8 yards per play. What the hell? 10.7 yards per pass. And wait for it, 7.1 yards per rush. If not you know, forcing Gino and the Seahawks to punt once, you know, isn't, I, I don't know if that's not an indictment of how bad Detroit is, and I'm not sure what is. You know, Seattle, I, I just really think that they've done really, really incredible things. This is the ultimate making chicken salad out of chicken shit team I've ever seen. <laughs> I will say they're what we expected, even though that they are two and two. The Lions I mentioned how how many starters they were missing last yesterday, both on offense and they were missing a few defensive guys too. I think that they benefited against playing against that team with all their injuries. They took advantage of playing the Broncos at the beginning of the season when the Broncos had two goal line fumbles. Then they got blown out by the Niners. They lost the Falcons. I still think they're a pretty bad team. I think their two wins are lucky. So I'm going to say that they are exactly what we expected them to be. I like that. Yeah. What it's what, yeah, that's good. What they're expected so far. Okay. Robert, next one, better, or worse, or what we expected the new Orleans saints. Ah, uh, double doink loss. Had a chance to tie it at the end. Uh-huh. Field goal hit the post twice. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many injuries. I think that there's, I mean, look, if you look at this, I I want to say what's expected, but I just heard my supervisor say worse. She is wearing a Saints jersey, so I'm going to give her far more credence to the opinion than me. I, I, don't, I really don't know what to make of the game. You know, I, I don't think that Minnesota wins this game with coaches from seasons past, but Cousins really wasn't that great. I, I really think that the Saints injuries are a very serious issue right now, Ali. Yeah, I will say even worse than we expected. I wasn't high on them to start the season. I picked their under. I thought with Dennis Allen as a coach, they would definitely struggle. 
But what I've seen the first four games, if they don't have a miraculous comeback against the Falcons, they're 0-4 to start the season. I think this is going to be a long season for them. I know they have had major injuries, Alvin Kamara. But this is a team that they should they should have more than one win. They beating the Falcons was definitely winnable yesterday. They should have beat Carolina last week. Carolina didn't do anything on offense. So I'm gonna say that the Saints are worse than last year. Or worse than what we expected. They definitely are worse than last year. All right. The next one up, Robert. Better or worse or what we expected? The Las Vegas Raiders. All right, get out of here. This one's easy. They are far worse than expected. Yeah, they beat Denver. You know, they they put up 385 yards of offense against them. Uh, I, I still don't know what Denver really is. The Broncos did win yards per play mm-hmm. by over a yard, 6.2 to 5.2. But, you know, the, the Raiders ran 74 plays to 48. I mean, it was really the first good, good rushing game of the year for the Raiders. Uh, that being said, you know, at, at one and three, you know, their expectations were three and one. You know, at worst, two and two. Uh, you know, yeah, their point differential is is really tight. They've lost close games, but that's where you have to win these games, especially with what they built. You know, going in, it's it's just a ridiculously heavy, heavy AFC West. Um, and they ended up beating a team, you know, in, in Denver that you know kind of they've owned their number, you know, to, for many years. So I think you know, cap it for the good rushing attack, and that's what led them to the victory. Uh, you know, pulling away late, but I, I still think that they are uh, worse than expected, Ali. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. And both you and I liked the under when it came to their preseason win totals. But seeing them the first four games, the fact that they blew that lead to the Cardinals in week two, they should have beat the Chargers week one, but they just they didn't look like they came out to play. Right. They, they did end up using Devontae Adams more yesterday after he disappeared for two weeks, but I'm with you. The Raiders are far worse than than I even thought, and I didn't have high hopes for them to begin. I think Josh McDaniels still is learning the head coach position, even though he had an unsuccessful run with the Broncos a few years back. I don't know if he's the right guy for the job. I didn't, I'm still maintaining. I don't think Derek Carr is the quarterback that's going to lead them ever to a deep playoff run. So I agree with you. I think they are worse. And the last team I'm going to bring up before we move on to our buy and sell segment is the New York Jets, Robert. Better or worse or what we expected? Ooh, Ali, great question. And I, oh man, could I get, <laughs> can I get a buy on this one? It's, it's, I, I still think it's incomplete. They're, I mean, the Jets are two and two and they got there through, you know, some miraculous play. You know, I'm, I'm looking at that Cleveland Browns game. You know, we didn't see Zach Wilson at all until yesterday. You know, I had low expectations for him, you know, and then still he kind of fell below those expectations. I don't know what, you know, like the whole game was out of whack because, you know, Pickett comes in for Pittsburgh. That brings in far more variance, to my opinion. But if, all right, if I had to, let me just say uh, it's what we expected. I'll, I'll say that for now. It's uh, Although I, I, I wish we had four games of Zach Wilson too to see, you know, what body of work they are. But let me just go say and uh, I'll give them what they were expected to be. I'll make this short and I'll agree with you on this one 100%. I think that Zach Wilson, even though he did ha- he did lead the team to come back yesterday, he didn't have a great stat line. He was only 18 for 36. He threw two interceptions or I believe one intercept- one or two interceptions. He threw a few interceptions. 
He overshadowed, though, Kenny Pickett making his debut for the Steelers when he took over for Trubisky. But I think it's what we expected from the Jets. I think if you look at even their few wins they had last year, they were just weird, spunky wins. Like they beat the, the Tennessee Titans last year when the Titans were missing A.J. Brown. The Titans were coming off wins against the Chiefs and and the Bills. I think this is what we expected from the Jets. I think that they are going to get you that eventual surprising win here and there, but I don't see this team getting more than five wins. Zach Wilson, I think with yesterday showing, he's still giving the Jets hope. The Jets, Jets fans, I know from, and you know, from being a Giants fans, Jets fans aren't, are easily impressed. So I think with Zach Wilson's win that he is giving them hope for the future, but I'll agree with you. They're exactly what we expected right now. So quick game because we have about 10 minutes left and it's what everyone has been complimenting us on and that's our buy or sell segment. So we'll go quick on this one, Robert. Buy or sell, the Eagles will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm buying. Uh, I have to to buy because it's it's exactly what I thought they were. Uh, It's a team that is rounded Super, super well on all sides, all facets of the ball. We already talked about how quickly Nick Sirianni turned this team around. Uh, There is very little hope for seeing them being challenged by Tampa. Green Bay still has a lot to figure out. Um, Rams, uh, incomplete grade, 49ers, no. Uh, Minnesota, no. So uh, they are going to the Super Bowl, yes. Yeah, I'll buy this one as well because I agree with you. I don't see anyone right now in the NFC that could challenge them. Tampa Bay and Packers, definitely not. The Rams aren't as good. The Niners, why I do like Jimmy G quarterbacking them. I just see too many injuries right now, especially to Trent Williams. So I will agree with you on this one. Unfortunately, and I hate to say it as a Giants fan, I think we will see the Eagles in the Super Bowl this season. So our next buy and sell we got, Robert, is concerning the Colts. Buy or sell, Robert. The Colts will miss the playoffs. Man, I install them as winning the division for fun. Me too. (laughs) Uh, Miss the playoffs. I'll buy. Wow, that's a tough one. I can't believe I just yep. that. I mean, right now, I don't expect Jacksonville to continue to, you know, surprise. But I mean, if we look at Jacksonville's schedule, uh, you know, they've got Houston. They'll be a favorite there. Then in a really big game against, you know, they'll be playing at Indianapolis. They'll be a favorite somehow in Week Seven against the Giants. Uh, I I think. Wow, am I actually talking about Jacksonville having a better record? I know this is no. a, this, this. I know this segment is about the Colts, and I'm running out of time. Yes, okay, I'm buying. They missed the playoffs. Uh, I'll buy it too. And I'm like you. I am so <laughs> upset with myself that I thought the Colts were not only going to win the division, but I thought they would make a deep playoff run. Matt Ryan is just a fumbling machine. I think he has nine fumbles, three of which he lost. Jonathan Taylor looks like he's just a totally different guy. I know he got injured last uh, yesterday. We don't know what his status is going to be for the week coming up. But this is a Colts team with one win, Robert, that was pretty much a fluke win. I mean, the the Chiefs did everything that they needed to do to lose that game last week. This is a Colts team. Again, they, they tied the Texans. They could easily be winless this year. So I don't think they improve. I think Matt Ryan just isn't the quarterback for them. I know they tried to go with a veteran guy. 
I think he's too old. I really do think he's just washed up. He just seems to be getting worse and worse as the weeks go by. He doesn't look any more comfortable with this team than he did week one. I'm going to agree with you. They do miss the playoffs. So let's go to our next buy or sell, Robert. Buy or sell, Justin Fields won't be the Bears starting quarterback next season. I stop it right there. I'm buying. No no way. They got to gut this whole entire – the offensive line that's put together is is not a good fit. Uh, I don't think that Fields is on the same page as the offensive coordinator, uh, and and they just they just need a a full overhaul. You know, pick a pick up a couple of key pieces on your offensive line and start over because this offense just does not work. Yeah, I agree with you. Justin Fields is definitely not the answer for the Bears team. He just he he looks lost. He doesn't look like he's a starter. They're going to have to draft someone. It's funny that they did play the Giants yesterday because the Giants were the team they traded up for to get Justin Fields. So I agree with you. Next one really quickly. Buy or sell, Robert. Carson Wentz will be a backup quarterback next season. What if happens if he's going to be a backup this season? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> you, I mean, honestly, it, to me, it looked like the commanders went to like the most basic of offensive playbooks that you could have, like for even like high school level. And they just, they just, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. He's not the answer. Um, You know, kudos to the Colts for getting whatever bit pieces you got, you know, trading him away. Um, It's just not, it's not working out. And again, it just looks like another instance where uh, he's not getting the job done with a very limited playbook. Um, I, I think we could start the Tyler Henneke clock right now. Yeah, I mean, when when the commanders traded for Carson Wentz in the offseason, I really was baffled by the trade. I have a friend that's a commanders fan that didn't understand it either. Carson Wentz not that big of an upgrade over Tyler Henneke at this point. He's go, he, I think he will be Carson Wentz on his fourth team in four years next season. I see him as a backup for the rest of his career, probably making the spot start here and there. But the guy's just immobile. And any thought that he was mobile a few years ago just is totally at the window. He takes sacks galore. I know he doesn't have the best offensive line, but he just seems to collapse under pressure and he doesn't know how to adjust. We saw that a little bit in Indianapolis last season. And if Jonathan Taylor didn't have the season he did last year, Robert, the Colts would have been uh, having a top five or at least a top 10 draft position last year. Justin right. Taylor, Jonathan Taylor saved that that team. So I'm with you. I think I'm going to buy that one. Wentz is not going to be starting next, next season. Last one, buy or sell. And we pretty much bought all of these, but this is an interesting one. Buy or sell Robert Baker Mayfield will be benched after next weekend. Can we bench Matt rule too? I think Matt rules fired in the next few weeks. (laughs) Hot seat, like contender number one, probably. Like, I don't even think Matt Rowe could sit right now. That's how. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's do this. Uh, I'm buying it. Yeah, he's got to go. Matt Rule's got to go. They're, they're both in this together. Their offense is, it, it's getting points from the defense and special teams. It's, it's, it's really, really amazing how this has fallen to pieces. We talked about the pluses of this offense, you know, during our season win total breakdown. And I mean, they have, uh, a very good complement of of wide receivers, tight ends, and and other, you know, you know, Christian McCaffrey's been you know basically invisible, and it's because the playbook isn't what they had just 
literally two years ago, forget about two, even last year, uh, buying all the shares of Baker Mayfield benched after next week. I think we're five for five. I'm buying this one as well. <laughs> Mayfield has just disappointed me so much. You, you, everyone that listens to the podcast had heard me talk up Baker Mayfield and the, and the Panthers. Baker Mayfield, he has no excuse this season. He's not His shoulder isn't injured like it was last season. He's not dealing with Odell Beckham Jr. drama. He has good receivers in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. He has one of the most versatile players in the league in Christian McCaffrey. He's not getting it done. The booze ran on rained on him last night when they were playing in Carolina. He he had a pass that was just awful batted at the line on a fourth and one when they were deep in their own territory, which pretty much sealed the game. Baker Mayfield, sorry, you're gonna be a backup next year too. And you know, just to shove it to you because you did criticize the Giants when they drafted Daniel Jones and Daniel Jones did beat you this year. So hate to say that, but sorry, Baker, I lost faith in you. I think you're a backup from now on. <laughs> so five for five in the buys. But before we head out for the day, because we are run, we are out of time actually. Robert, any last thoughts on the weekend or betting advice before we go? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, it's it's Monday morning, and so we can go ahead and once again, you know, bank everything that we saw in week four, and then obviously weeks three, two, and one, right? So at this point, if for the for basically ninety percent of the league, we kind of know. Uh, what trajectory they're headed for, what class of franchise they have. Um, you know, be on the lookout this week. Obviously, you could, you know, find, you know, nothing but locks and myself, and Rob C. Kowalski on Twitter.com. And I think that we can go ahead and, and start looking at power ranks, locking in far more likely than not. Um, it, it's, it's ultimately something that injuries, are, of course, are going to affect everything. Uh, but it's it's the teams are who they are right now. Uh, and then you can go ahead and start plugging in pieces as they go. Uh, lots of injuries to look for, of course. Make, make sure you study up on everything you need to know, especially uh, this Thursday with Colts and Broncos, Giants and Packers. We talked about the injuries there. Seahawks and Saints, we still don't know about quarterback position there. And then, of course, Lions and Patriots, quarterback is key. And, you know, obviously we're going to have to take a look and see how that plays itself out with who's going to be the starter in New England. So check your injuries. Couldn't agree better. We do have a Thursday night game, Colts and Broncos. Well, I don't think it's the most exciting. I will say my best advice is take the under on that one. I'll probably side with the Broncos playing at mile high, but I need to look at the spread more. I need to study it. And we have another great week coming up. Robert and I will be back, I believe, later in the week. On Friday, we'll give you our picks for the weekend. Robert will have his power rankings on Wednesday. I'll publish those so you can see where your team ranks. And thanks everyone for joining. And I hope you have a great day. Take care.